Come into chapter 19 um, of Genesis, and we'll read the whole chapter. It says this. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. Lot is, um, Lot is the nephew of Abraham. Um, when he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. No, they answered, we'll spend the night in the square. But he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered into his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. Before they'd gone to bed, all of the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, no, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who've never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men for they've come under the protection of my roof. Get out of my way, they replied. And they said, this fellow, he came here as an alien and now he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and they moved forward to break down the door. But the men reached out, inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness, so they couldn't find the door. The two men said to Lot, Do you have anyone else here, sons-in-laws, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here because we're going to destroy this place. The outcry of the Lord against its people is so great, he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, hurry and get out of this place because the Lord's about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. With the coming of the dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and of his two daughters, and they led them out safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives, don't look back, and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains, or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, no, my lords, please, your servant has found favor in your eyes, and you've shown me great kindness to me in sparing my life, but I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me, and I'll die. Look, here's a small town, near enough to run to, and it's small. Let me flee flee to it. It's very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. He said to him, very well, I will grant this request too. I'll not overthrow the town you speak of, but flee there quickly because I cannot do anything until you reach it. That's why the town was called Zoar, which means small, which seemed to be on uh, Lot's mind. By the time Lot reached Zoar, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah. From the Lord out of the heavens... Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, including all those living in the cities, and also the vegetation in the land. But Lot's wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he'd stood before the Lord. He looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah, towards all the land of the plain, and he saw dense smoke rising from the land, like smoke from a furnace. So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham, and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. Lot and his two daughters left Zoar and settled in the mountains, for he was afraid to stay in Zoar. He and his two daughters lived in a cave. One day the older daughter said to the younger, 
Our father's old and there's no man around here to lie with us as, it, as is the custom over all the earth. Let's get our father to drink wine and then lie with him and preserve our family line through our father. That night they got their father to drink wine and the older daughter went in and lay with him. He wasn't aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. The next day the older daughter said to the younger, Last night I lay with my father. Let's get him to drink wine again tonight. And you go in and lie with him so we can preserve our family line through our father. So they got their father to drink wine that night also, and the younger daughter went and lay with him. Again, he wasn't aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. So both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. The older daughter had a son, and she named him Moab. He's the father of the Moabites of today. The younger daughter also had a son, and she named him Ben-Ami. And he's the father of the Ammonites of today. Both of those are obviously enemies, became enemies of God's people. Okay. (sighs) Should we go and have a drink? (laughs) It's tough stuff, isn't it? It's tough stuff. Hard to read. The scene turns to Sodom. Sodom. And the angels arrive in the city and they come across Lot, Abraham's nephew. And Lot is sitting in the gateway to the city. The gateway to the city is where people sat who had some prominence in the city, where people who were important sat, often people who were judges over the city. Often outside of the city, there would be lots of lawlessness. People would solve disputes kind of by killing each other and attacking each other. But in a city, there is actually a a system where people can make judgments. And Lot has risen to that place where he's Potentially one of the elders of the city, one of the judges over the city, where justice can be settled. And here he is as the angels come down into the city. And they see Lot sitting there uh, at the uh, the city gates, the gates of the city. And Lot offers hospitality to the angels in the same way that Abraham had offered hospitality to the angels and to the Lord as well. Obviously now there's just the two of them. The third one, the Lord, he, the one who'd stayed with Abraham, he's not there. But the two angels have gone down. Lot offers hospitality to them. Um, and initially they say, oh no, 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 it's okay. It's okay, We're gonna, we'll spend the night in the square, in the, in the, in the town city square. Now Lot says, no, no, no you're not going to do that. You're not going to do that. I don't want you to stay there. And he, he presses them and he says, look, come and stay with me. No, it's all right. We'll be, we'll be okay in the square. No, no, you're coming with me. Now, obviously, Lot is offering hospitality in the same way as we looked at last time as Abraham. It's a, it, it's a, a cultural and biblical thing to do. Actually, no one else in the city is offering hospitality to them because of the, of the way the city is. But Lot is. He obviously will have known as well. Staying in the village square, in the t- no, it's not village, in the city square, is not going to be a safe place for them, as we soon find out. It's not the place to stay. He knows. Now, maybe there are places in Sheffield as well that you think, actually, it's not the place to spend the night. You know, you don't want to be going down there and just, and just staying out for the night. But obviously in Sodom, there was, there was that sense of, no, you're coming in with me. And the men do come in. The angels do come in and they, um, and, and they spend some time with Lot. And he feeds them and he gives them something to eat and he, uh, and I think he, does he wash their feet as well? Um, no, maybe he doesn't. And they ate anyway. And then suddenly, before they go to bed, the men of the city come and they surround the house. 
And the men of the city have not got hospitality in mind. They are only concerned here about satisfying their evil desires. The whole city has been given over to godlessness. And the men of the city, they're just wanting to satisfy themselves. And notice as well, it's young and old. It says, all the men of every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. I don't know how young, young gets, but it's disturbing anyway. That everyone, every man in Sodom who comes out is intent on just evil and on satisfying themselves. No one is righteous. Remember Abraham's prayer? If there are just ten righteous men, ten righteous people in, in, in Sodom, will you not spare it? God says, yes, I will. Well, this passage is pointing out that there aren't. There's no righteousness in this city. There's no goodness in this city. There's no one who follows the way of God. It's a godless society. And Lot tries to protect these men who've come into his house. And in a sense, that's part of hospitality. You know, you're not going to give them up. Oh, gosh, there's a, there's a gang outside. Yeah, I don't know these guys. Off you go, you know, I'll kick you out. No, he's trying to protect them. Actually, even in trying to protect them, he's, he's doing things which you just think, what? You know, he's offering his daughters instead. Oh, but my daughters will, will come out. I mean, they're, they're engaged. Uh, to their future son-in-laws. I can't imagine their future son-in-laws were too chuffed about that, that offer of Abraham's, uh, of Lot, sorry. Um, but, but that's what he does. But actually, these men, they're not interested. They're threatening to do worse to Lot. We'll treat you worse than we're going to treat them. Who do you think you are? You're, a, you're an alien to here anyway. You're, you've, you've come out, you've come down here. You're not even one of us. And now, and now you want to play the judge over us. Now you're getting all righteous. Now you're, you're taking the moral high ground. Who do you think you are? Get out of the way. Get out of the way so that we can have our way. This is a society where the sin, which resides in the heart of every person, everyone, the sin has been allowed to just run totally unchecked. I mean, we might look at, at, at Sodom and we might think, this is an unusual case. This is an extreme example of a godless city. Actually, it's an example of any society that can just allow people to seek pleasure in whatever way they want, to run after their own pleasure. Actually, it ends up getting more and more depraved. Woody Allen, uh, the filmmaker and, uh, and comic, said this. Cities are just like everywhere else, only much more so. Cities are just like everywhere else, only much more so. He was right. In a city, we will find the same things that you find anywhere else. But you tend to find extreme examples of them, both good and bad. So cities aren't, aren't necessarily evil places. In fact, you know, we, we, can, we can often look at, at passages like this and think, oh, cities, they're really evil. Much better to live in the countryside. Much better to live in the, in the villages, in the, in the rural places, like Abraham did. You know, and Lot, oh, he went to the city. City's evil. We don't want to go into the city. Well, look, we're all in a city, aren't we? 
So, you know, this, this is a, it's not necessarily saying cities are evil places. In fact, as you go through the Bible, cities become more and more prominent until at the end of Revelation, the final destination for God's people is a city. This is a city that is going to come. Cities are not necessarily evil places. They're just extreme places. They're just places where you can, you can get, um, greater good and greater examples of evil. So for example, in a city, you will find that there are better things in some ways than in, in, in the countryside. For example, better examples of the arts or better examples of music or architecture. Um, but you'll also find a greater concentration of evil as well. It's almost as though there's a magnifying glass over a city. And it's like, well, everything in there is just going to be magnified. Everything in the city is going to be heightened. You'll find more good things, but you'll also find more evil. And you'll get the extremes there. And here in Sodom, it's like there's a magnifying glass over people's hearts. We are no better in many ways as a society than the people of Sodom. Because sin is in everyone's hearts. But it's as though there's a magnifying glass saying, right, I'm going to magnify that sin. That sin that you think is not so important. That sin that you think, that evil desire, that you think, oh, it's okay, I can cover that over. And it's like, no, we're going to magnify it. We're going to put it under a microscope. And this is what it looks like when it's fully blown. This is what it's like when it's fully allowed to flourish. We see it in this city. We see it in these people's lives and in their hearts and in their desires. Everyone seeks pleasure in life. Everyone is designed for pleasure. It's not a bad thing. Some people in the past, or maybe even today, think, think, oh, no, no, we need to deny ourselves pleasure. We need to deny ourselves things that are good. Actually, we were created to find pleasure. We were created to find things good. But we were created to find them in God, in our creator, not in the created things. Romans 1 talks, doesn't it, about how people turn away from the creator and they start to worship created things, created things. But that is idolatry, worship of something else, something that God created maybe as good. God created many things and said they're good. And we can enjoy those things as being good. But once we start to worship those things, once we start to say, and it's those things that are going to give me pleasure. It's those things that I'm going to find all my meaning for in life and all my satisfaction for in. That's when it starts to go corrupt. That's when it starts to go wrong. People are seeking pleasure. But those something, that pleasure in something else never satisfies. Whether it's looking for pleasure in money, or in power, or in, in drugs or alcohol, or in relationships and sex, whatever it might be, whatever it might be apart from God that we're looking for to, to provide pleasure. Even our families can become idols. Our kids can become idols. They're such a great blessing. If that's all we're looking to, to provide pleasure for us, it's an idol. It's corrupt. It's worshipping things that God has created rather than God himself. And like with any addiction, like with any seeking of pleasure, 
We have to go to more and more extreme lengths to get satisfied sometimes. That's what we see here in Sodom, isn't it? These men who, who, are, who are looking for pleasure in sex. And they're going to more and more extreme lengths to find it. This is what we're going to do. This is what has captured us. This is our desire. And it's no different today. We only have to look at the news on any given week to see stories of of, of, of corruption and, and people, the extremes of society. And we, and we like to think, oh, well, they're, they're special cases. They're not like us. They're not normal. They're very normal. They're just an extreme example. They're just a magnification of that sin. Sin when it's allowed to go unchecked. Even, even in this story in the week, this week about the, 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 the couple who set fire to their house and their kids got killed. Oh, how, how could they do that? Well, actually, because sin was just allowed to run unchecked in their lives. And you read the stories of what their life was like in the build-up to that throughout the years. And you think, that's just, there's no check on sin. It's just been allowed to go and go and go and go and grow. And this is what it comes to. How could it come to that? But we see it time and time again. We see it in, in dictators in other countries. People who might have even started off in leading a country because, because they wanted to bring about change and bring about some good. But then they get power. And that power becomes absolute power. And absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And so you see years down the line, they, they stop having fair um, elections. They start killing those who oppose them. You think, why? What are they clinging on to? What is it worth killing so many people in these countries? Syria, Zimbabwe, wherever it might be in the world. Because that person wants to hold on to power. They want, they want that. That's become their idol. These aren't the worst people in life who suddenly get to these prominent positions. These are ordinary people who get to a position who get to a place where no one's challenging it. No one's bringing a check. And sin is allowed to just flourish and grow and it spreads. And it gets ugly and horrible. And we see what it really is. Don't be fooled in thinking that sin is a small thing. Don't be fooled in thinking, oh, idolatry, putting our trust in other things. You know, that's not a big deal. Yes, it is. Because this is where it leads. This is where it leads us. We are designed to seek pleasure in our life, but nothing else than God will deliver. Nothing else will give us pleasure. And God will. God will. We can find true delight in God. And Lot has been living among this society, just in the same way that we live in our city, as God, uh, as people who love God. Lot's been living in this society. And he's risen to a place of prominence. Um, and maybe, maybe he's not spoken out about it before. Maybe he's seen these evil things and he's thinking, well, I don't know. But when he does speak out, when he says, no, 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 I'm not letting them come out. Then he gets the extreme reaction. Suddenly he's not one of them anymore. Oh, you're not even one of us. You're an alien. You came here as an alien. Now you want to play the judge. Actually, the irony is he probably is the judge. That's the position he's risen to. He's come into a good, a good place of influence. But suddenly, he's challenging something which is in their, in their hearts. He, they don't want him to, to criticize or to stop what their desires are about. Oh, you want to play the judge now? 
persecution, rejection, anger, violence, all directed against Lot. We live in a society which says that tolerance is the greatest virtue of all. But actually, there's no tolerance for people who speak out or stand against some of the so-called freedoms of society. We've got to be free to do this, and we've got to be free to live our life like that. And we've got to be tolerant of everyone, but we're not going to be tolerant of people who tell us that we can't be tolerant, that we can't be open, that we can't do these things. The irony is, these things, these so-called freedoms, are not freedoms at all. They hold people in bondage and captivity. Things that we see in our society that we're told we are now free to be able to do. It's our right to be able to do these things and live this way. They're not freedoms, they're bondage. The Bible calls them bondage. Remember in, uh, in Romans, I've said about Romans chapter 1. Where it says in, in verse 22, Although they claim to be wise... People claim to be wise. They became fools. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God. What a glory. For images made to look like mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles. They started to worship the created things rather than the creator. It says, therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served things, created things, rather than creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. In other words, what, what it's saying, what it's saying is, God didn't say, no, you, you can't do that. God says, well, if that's the way you're going, I'll give you over to that. You can engage in that activity. You can live your lives that way. God gave them freedom to live how they wanted. That's what you could read it as. Go and live that way then. Go and do those things. What does he describe it as later on in Romans 6, verse 6? It says, we know that our old self was crucified with him, Jesus, so that the body of sin might be done away with, so we should no longer be slaves to sin. That's what we are. When God gives us over to our desires and to do whatever we want in life, that's not freedom. We might call it freedom. Our society might call it freedom. It's slavery. It's slavery to sin. It's bondage. There's no escape. That's the reality. People think they're free. There's no freedom outside of God. Only in God do we find freedom. And like Lot, we are strangers and aliens living here. The men of Sodom saw that that was true of Lot. You're an alien. You don't belong here. In the same way we don't. Hebrews 11 and verse 13 talks about um, the, the heroes of the faith. And it says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They didn't receive the things promised. They saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who walk by faith, people who walk with God, are those who admit we are strangers and aliens. We don't fit. 
We're not part of this society in the same way as others are. Oh, yes, we're living here. Lot was living there. We're living here in this city of Sheffield. But we're strangers and aliens in Sheffield. It's not our home in the same way. And if we start to challenge some of the behavior, if we start to challenge some of the values that are held dear by people, actually we will find that they will turn on us in the same way and say, you don't fit. You're not like us. You're one of those Christians. We don't want to know you. Who's, who says you are going to start playing judge over us? Who are you to judge my life? We're aliens. We need to realize that. We need to admit we're living in a different way. We need to realize there might be persecution coming when we speak out. Or even don't speak out, but yet live righteously in the midst of unrighteousness. Well, at this point in the story, the angels intervene. They pull Lot back into the house and they strike the men with blindness. So they can't even find the door. They're all outside. They can't, I can't find the door. Can't find the door. They don't know the, do- the way. They're blind. They're spiritually blind as well. And the angels say to Lot, we're about to destroy the city. Gather your family together. We need to leave. There's a destruction coming on this city and you need to get out fast. Go and find your family. Go and find anyone. You know, if you've got son-in-laws... Well, I've got these, I've got these guys. They're about to, they're going to marry my daughters at some point. Yeah, go and get them. Go and tell them and tell them it's time to leave. So Lot goes and he goes and finds these son-in-laws. He says, come, you need to come out with us. We're fleeing the city. God is going to destroy it. He's going to destroy it right now, imminently. You need to go, leave everything. Let's get out now. You can come with us. And they're like, what? what are you talking about? God's going to destroy the city. You've got to be joking, haven't you? Look at it. It's prosperous. And it was. That's why Lot went there in the first place. It was a prosperous city. It was attractive. Didn't look like a bad place to live. Successful. God's going to destroy it. No, he's not. You're deluded, man. You're not even thinking right. They don't go. And they perish. They think he's joking. We have had revealed to us the truth that God has made a way out. Those of us who know God, who have come to know God in our lives and known his forgiveness, have had it revealed to us that had our eyes opened to see actually we are We are people who just chase after pleasure in all of these places. Sinful idolatry. But yet, the way has been opened by Jesus. We can know true forgiveness and we can know true pleasure in God. We can worship the one who we were created to worship. And we carry that message with us. And it could well be that we go to people who we know or love, even in our families, and we say to them, look, Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. We need to get out. You need to escape. There's a way out. God has opened a way out. And people think, you are 
you're talking rubbish. They may laugh. They may think there's no way that's going to happen. Just look at the world. It's not going to happen. God has provided a way out. Our society, which seems so secure, so fertile, so prosperous, will be judged by God and ultimately destroyed. And the judgment and the salvation come from the same hand. You know, these angels were saying, we're going to destroy this city. But you need to come with us and we will lead you out. The same hands. They even took hold of Lot because it, it, it was delaying. Oh, I'm not so sure. No, come on. I'm grabbing you. I'm taking you. You're not even getting out yourself. I'm pulling you out. I'm rescuing you. Salvation comes at the same hand as those as the hand that destroys. Because God is a righteous and loving God. God will not tolerate forever sin and rebellion and hatred and all that we've seen this balloons and becomes. Judgment will come on that. But yet that same God provides a way out. A way out for us. A way out for others who will respond. Who he will call, who he will take. And people just think, ah, it's a big joke. What? You've got to be joking. Destruction coming. Ah, society's all right. Luke chapter 17 warns us. It says, just as it was in the days of Noah, so will also it be in the days of the Son of Man. Do you know, people were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given up in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking and buying and selling, planting and building. Life was going on as normal. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It looked as though it was all going to be fine. It looked like a normal day. And then God came. And Jesus says it will be like this. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who's in the roof of his house with goods inside should go down and get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for everything, anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will take it. Will preserve it. Jesus is saying, remember Noah. Remember Lot. They were complacent. They thought everything was going to be okay, and it wasn't. Don't make the same mistake. Don't just think, oh, it doesn't look as though God's going to come back. Life looks pretty normal to me. A few little blips here and there, but you know what? We're all getting on okay. Why do we need to escape anything? Why do we need to run away from our society? There's a lot of good in our society. There was a lot of good also in that society. People were buying, selling, planting. It was a fertile place. It was a prosperous place. People needed to get out because destruction was coming. Judgment was coming. If you are here today and you don't know God, if you are worshipping other things and looking to other things for your pleasure and not to God, if you're looking to the things that God created rather than to the Creator, 
And you're thinking, do you know, it's all right. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm actually quite happy hanging around Christians. I'm actually hanging, happy coming to church. But it's not going to become the most important thing in my life. And God's not going to be the most important thing in my life. I would urge you, as strongly as I can, as strongly as Lot would have urged those men, get out. Get out while you can. Come into all God has got for you. It won't mean for us leaving the city, moving out of Sheffield, but it will mean moving out of where we are living in terms of what we give ourselves to and what we worship, because we all worship something. And you can find that way out today. You can know true pleasure today in God. It's not even as though, it's just as though God's saying, do you know what, I'm putting the fear of hell in you, so you know, you're going to be destroyed one day and you need to escape. And it's like, oh no. God's offering you pleasure greater than you've ever known. God's offering you satisfaction more than you've ever known. That your heart yearns for and longs for. And you've sought it in so many other ways. And you will find it in God. You will only find it in God. I urge you, come and find it. Come and find it today. But you know, it's easy to look at this passage and just be be a bit self-righteous and judgmental if we know God. It's very easy to read Genesis 19 and say, you know, they're the bad guys. They're the evil ones. They're so evil. Look at what they did. It's absolutely right that they got destroyed. We're not like that. We're better than that. We could just think, oh yeah, the good guys, they got, they got rescued. The bad guys got nuked. But actually, let's take a closer look at Lot and his family because they don't come out of this well at all. Now let's realize Lot is a follower of God. He is a follower of God, as Abraham was. That's why he was rescued. He wasn't rescued because he was, he was living any better. You know, he, and we'll see that he's not. His character doesn't stand up well in this. He was rescued because he was a follower of God. And that's the only reason. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 7 says this about Lot. It says that he was a righteous man. It says, if God rescued Lot, a righteous man, who was distressed by the filthy lives of righteous men, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. And then Peter goes on to, to make his point. But he's making the point in there that Lot is a righteous man. He's a man who loves God. He's a man who looked at what was going on in that society of Sodom and Gomorrah and he didn't like what he saw. He was tormented by it day and night. He was appalled by it. We might do the same. We might flick on the news and say, how, how can people live like this? Look at these awful things going on. How, how terrible. It can really affect us. The people who we're around at work. In our society, our friends even, they can distress us. Oh, they use such 
language. They blaspheme and they speak about God's name in such a way. We can be tormented as Lot was. He wasn't comfortable with what was going on because he knew God. And he knew there was a different way. And he knew that pleasure was to be found in God, really. But he was a godly man. He knew right from wrong. But you know what? The city of Sodom held a lot of appeal for him. It attracted him. It held something there that he wanted. He'd chosen to go there, remember. Let's look back in Genesis 13 when he's with Abraham and, and they're separating. And, and Abraham says, look, you can go anywhere you want. And he looks around us a lot and he says, ah, yeah, that place looks good. That place looks fertile. That place looks like a place I can prosper. He's wanting the best place for himself. He's wanting the best land. He's wanting to get something for himself. He's being greedy. He's being idolatrous. He's starting to say, this is, this is what will give me pleasure in life. This is what will make me happy in life. So he goes there. He goes and he, he camps just outside of Sodom initially. And then by chapter 14, when Abraham has to rescue him because Sodom has been captured by four kings, uh, he's actually living inside Sodom. And now, even after that, he goes back and now he's risen to prominence. He's one of the important people, one of the elders of the city. He's done well for himself in Sodom and Gomorrah. But he's got himself caught up into idolatry. He's got himself caught up in some of the things that he shouldn't have done. He starts to maybe look for his satisfaction in other areas other than God. And there are little signs, little, little things that we can see that show where he's compromised. Signs of corruption. It seems, we're not absolutely certain, but it seems that he married someone from Sodom who didn't worship God herself. She wasn't a believer. There's no sign that Lot's wife was a believer. She gets taken out along with Lot because she's part of his family. And we certainly see how his children are living. We certainly see how living in that godless place has affected his children, his daughters. Because they're just concerned for the same things as these men. They're concerned about their satisfaction. They're concerned about what they're getting or what they're not getting when they're in a cave. Oh, everyone else is having this. And what about us? We've just got our old dad. Oh, that'll do. They've been, his whole family have been corrupted. He might well be looking at others in Sodom and thinking they're worse than him. But he is being seduced by the temporary pleasures of life. And we can get seduced too. Even in Sheffield, cities have got an attraction. There's something attractive about cities. Like I said, it's not just a place where evil exists. It's a magnifying glass on good as well. We can think, oh, there's, there's this culture, there's this, there's this wonderful uh, society we can be part of. And we can embrace it. And we can come into it. And, and to some extent, you know, we, we can do that. But we must be very careful that we don't get seduced. We can just think cities are like consumer heavens. Oh, amazing. You can get all of these things here. 
you know, living out in the, in the, in the countryside, you can't get anything, you know, when they're in Ikea or anything like that, you know. Actually, no, it can be, oh, we've got all this in, well, we don't have an Ikea. <laughs> Praise God for something. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> but we can think this is amazing. And we can get seduced. We've got to be careful we don't get seduced. We're strangers and aliens. God's put us here. Actually, we, we can take part in some things. We're not to pull ourselves back from everything. Now, Peter was shown that. Peter was shown that in the New Testament, wasn't he? When the, when the, when the sheet came down. And he was like, I can't eat those things. Those are the things that the Gentiles are eating. God said, no, you can. You can. It's okay. Oh, okay. There are things that we can do. It's okay. We don't have to pull ourselves back from society totally. We don't have to shield ourselves and, and huddle away. But let's not get seduced by these things. Let's not think that this is where we're going to find our pleasure. We've, we've got to be careful, even in, in things like church planting. Sometimes we can go to you know, gatherings like North. And, and people can talk about church planting. Oh, it'd be great if people wanted to come and church plant with us. And then they can basically do a big sales pitch about their city. Oh, this is a city of culture and we've got wonderful music here and we've got wonderful gardens and all of these things. It's like, well, you know, we're not going if we're going to go. We're not going because it's such a wonderful place to live. We're going because we're wanting to see people saved. We want people to see people added to the kingdom. And there will be benefits maybe that we can enjoy as God's people, enjoying God's creation, enjoying the good things that God gives us. But that's not what we're being seduced by. Let's not put a big sales pitch up about it and say, let's come and do this because it's such a wonderful place. That's actually, in the end, there's much that's not wonderful. You know... Lot is very different to, to Daniel. Daniel was another character who was, who was in the Old Testament who was taken, he was taken captive to a, another city, Babylon. And he was a stranger and alien in Babylon. But the difference between Daniel and, uh, and Lot, and you can, you can read up about this if you want in yourself. But in Daniel 1 and verse 8, Daniel says he resolves not to defile himself. He's made a commitment. You know, I'm, I'm not going to go down the line that everyone else goes down in this immoral society. Now, he, he kept himself back even more because he didn't eat the things that, that, the, that the pagans ate in Babylon. But he, he still rose to a place of prominence like Lot. He got to a place of prominence. He got to a place of influence. But when it came to certain things, he said, oh, I'm not going to cross that line. I'm not going to bow down and worship someone other than God. I'm not going to eat these things and do these things that I shouldn't do. And he risked his life for it. And God intervened and protected him and enabled him to carry on and stay strong. Miraculously. But Lot doesn't seem to do that. He's a stranger and alien, but he, he, there's something there. That is drawing him. It's drawing him. He doesn't want to go out. He hesitates. The angels say, come on, we're going to destroy this place. And he's like, really? Now they say that to him in the evening. They've come in the evening. And, And all this has gone on in the evening. 
And, they, and he goes and warns his brothers-in-law and, and uh, his, his potential sons-in-law. And maybe they've influenced him a bit. Maybe they're going, you, you're a nutter. You're mad, Lot. What are you talking about? Well, maybe I am. Maybe these guys aren't genuine. Oh, I don't know. I'll kind of sleep on it. And, and he, he sleeps on it. He doesn't do anything. It says, it says, you know, with the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, hurry, come on. What are you messing about? All night's gone. <coughs> We're going to destroy this place. And then it says he hesitated. Oh, I don't know. Should I? Should I go or not? Come on. Destruction's coming. Oh, I quite like it here, though. I said, my brothers, my sons-in-law, they're still here. I quite like those guys. I hang out, play pool with them. You know what? What? You want me to run out? You want me to escape all of this? This is where all my wealth is, all my prosperity. I've made, I've been here years. I've made something of myself. And you want me to leave? He's pulled by those things. They've become too important for him. He's hesitating. The angel's like, come here. And they're dragging him out. They have to drag him out. He's got a hold on him. He's got a hold on him. How about us? Are there things in our life which we can say, oh, yeah, yeah. God's most important. But have they got a hold on us? Are there things that we think we've worked years for that thing? We've built this up to what it is. Look at our house. We've just finished renovating it and decorating it. And You want us to leave? You want us to go somewhere else, God? I don't know. Look at, we've, we've, we've put all this into that and, oh, do you know? For our kids and school and, oh, what? No, God's saying, if God says, I want you to go from anything, how prepared are we to drop it? How prepared are we to say, do you know what? It's not important compared to God. Or do those things have a hold on us? They drag him out. And when they drag him out, then, he, then he's, he's just got no trust in God at all. He's panicking. He's panicking. He's hesitated all night. And then they're saying, right, get to the mountains. Get to the mountains. He's going, I've not got time to get to the mountains. The mountains are too far away. I'm going to get destroyed. I'm going to get nuked. You've just been in bed all night. You could have gone. Oh, no, I wasn't sure. Now, now there's blind panic. Oh, let me go to this, this, this other place, Zoar. I'll go there. Look, it's a small place. It's, it's really small, isn't it? It's small, isn't it? it keeps, it's small. It's, don't destroy that place. It's small. All right. Go there if you want. But hurry up because we're going to destroy this place. Okay. They hurry there. Even after Sodom and Gomorrah get destroyed, he's got no peace. He doesn't stay in Zohar. Why doesn't he stay there? It says, because he's, he's afraid, in verse 30. He goes to the mountains after all. Now the destruction has come. God's judgment has come. And he's been there in this next door town. Oh my word, he's watching it. He's coming down. It's very, very close to him. Well, maybe God is going to get this place as well. Actually, God said, no, you'll be safe there. I'll not destroy that place. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. He did say to go to the mountains, didn't he? Oh, I don't know. Let's go to the mountains. He's hiding in a cave in the mountains because he's frightened. He 
He's frightened of God. He's seen the reality of God now. He didn't quite believe it before. Oh, I don't know, surely it'll all be all right. Now he's seen it. Now he's scared. God. I didn't think it would come to this. But he's got no sense of God being with him. He's got no peace. He's got no confidence. He's just being ruled by fear. Oh, I don't know where I'm going to be safe. He's lost his wife. His wife, her, the pull for her was far too much. She, she, was, she turned around. She looked back or even went back. It was like, no, no. She's destroyed as well. He's paid a great price. He's been rescued. He's safe. But he's paid a price. This is a believer. He's lost everything. Everything he worked for in Sodom is totally destroyed. He's lost his wife. His daughters are corrupt. Morally corrupt. And this is the last we see of him. Hiding away. Fearful. In a cave. What has his life become? It's a stark warning for us. Believers. As we live our lives in this world, what are we building our lives on? What are our lives about? Is God at the center of everything and our love of him? Or actually, are we getting pulled into these other things as well? Which, which then bring us an insecurity. I don't know if God loves me. I can't, I can't be sure. I can't be sure I'll be all right. I'm fearful. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if that happens? Got no, no confidence that you've got a heavenly father who loves you, who cares for you with an eternity that's safe in him. If we build our lives on other than Christ, that's what will happen. First Corinthians chapter three. In verse 10, Paul's talking actually about building and laying foundations in the church. He says in verse 10, each one should be careful how he builds. No one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. The foundation of life's got to be Christ Jesus. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, things that look good, his work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test each, the quality of each man's work. If what he's built survives, he'll receive his reward. If it's burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. That's what happened to Lot. He was one who escaped through the flames. But he suffered loss. And we can be dismissive of passages like that. And we can just think, hey, do you know what? I know God anyway. Ah, suffer loss, but it can't be anything compared to, to you know, what I'll have. I'm sure it'll all be all right. The Bible's got this as a warning. And it takes us right back to Lot. Is that the sort of believer we want to be? Is that the sort of person we want to be? Because we've given ourselves to all these other things in the world and we've lost our love of God. And do you know, this is what we've had. 
And Lot had no one to encourage him in God, did he? He had no one. He decided he was going there. Oh, I'm going for this gut, this place. Daniel had other people, other believers, encouraging him, strengthening each other. Lot's on his own. He's lost focus. He's lost that love of God. He's lost that trust in God. He's been seduced. He's just escaped through the flames. What about us as we come to an end? What about us who live in this city? If we, if we love God, if we're in him, this world is not our home. We are strangers and aliens here. We dare not compromise, brothers and sisters. We can't dabble with sin. We can't think it's not that bad. Oh, it's okay. We can't go and live somewhere or get involved in something for looking to achieve satisfaction from something without it affecting us or affecting those around us, our families maybe. Satisfaction is only going to be found in God alone. We have to be rooted and firmly established on Christ. Yet God does want us here. God does want us here in this city. He wants us to bring his kingdom about. He wants us to be light in the darkness. He wants us to be a city on a hill. God said to Jeremiah, through Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, to those like Daniel who were living in Babylon, this is what he said to them. Jeremiah 29, verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is how they live. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so they too may have sons and increase. Increase in numbers there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into in exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. This isn't some hiding away from the city. God has planted us here. He's planted us here to be firmly rooted and established in him with other believers. I mean, they talk about having children and other people. Actually, for us, it's more people coming into the church. We are the family. This is our family, the church. But we're established here. We're strengthened. We're planted here in the city. And we can be an influence to the city. And we can do things that prosper. And we can seek the peace and prosperity of the city. And we do pray for the city and for others in the city. This is no shying away from it. This is more involvement in it than others have. We are to be those who people will look at and say, do you know what? They're, they're doing a great job in this city. We'll be commended. Lot, to be honest, was commended. He was made an elder. There'll be times when we, where we're not commended. We've got to accept that. There's going to be times when people will look at us and say, it looks like you're judging us. Because you're living such a righteous life. And you're not living the way we live. And you're making a stand against this thing. And it's making us feel bad. And so we're going to take it out on you. But that's what we're to do. We are free to enter into the culture of the city. More than Daniel was. We can engage with people where they're at. 
But we must be aware of the dangers of compromise. Because they're there. And we can be seduced so easily. Let's live here as part of a vibrant community of believers. To affect our society for God. But ultimately knowing our home is elsewhere. Let's pray.